Love Talk Radio. All right. All right. I guess we're we're good. All right. Let's stand together. Let's take a red song book. Let's turn to number five. Number five. Faith of our fathers. Faith of our fathers living still in spite of dungeon fire and sword. Oh, how our hearts beat high with joy whenever we hear that glorious word. Faith of our fathers, holy faith. We will be true to thee till death. Our fathers chained in prisons dark were still in heart and conscience free. How sweet would be their children's fate if they like them could die for thee. Faith of our fathers, holy faith, we will be true to thee till death. Faith of our fathers, we will love both friend and foe in all our strife. And preach thee to as love knows how By kindly words and virtuous life Faith of our fathers, holy faith We will be true to thee till death Amen. Praise God. We stay true no matter what comes our way. Amen. Christ has done set us free, and praise God, we're going to stay free. Amen. No more to be bondage to sin and death. Amen. Death means nothing to the believer except a door to pass through to see our Savior. Amen. It's good to be in the house of God this morning. Amen. Uh, we got prayer requests this morning, I know. At first, I want to mention my wife. She This morning, I got up and, and went in the living room and... and uh, Went to the sink, and she got up and was coming toward me real, real slow, going, oh. And I said, what's the matter? She said, I pulled my back when I stood up, and I don't know what happened. So she's at home with a baby with a down down in her back. So pray that God gives her some relief from that. Uh, she got to work tomorrow. So pray that God that God gets her through that. Um, just remember to pray for pray for Grant, uh, dealing with his cancer. Uh, the the Feel like it is. Are you for sure that it's come back? You know, it has come back. Okay. Right. So we're going to pray that God makes that shrink and go back, and He can. Amen. Just pray that God can do it. Amen. And uh, and pray for Joanne, and she gets she's getting better and better with that knee. Praise God for that. Are there any other requests this morning? Yes, Mom. Yes, pray for Miss Charlotte. Oh, we will absolutely, brother. We have been praying for you, and I just want to pray. I just want to praise God. I mean, we've yeah. we've had him on the prayer list, and and you know, ain't no ain't no ain't no secret. I mean, 
you know, they was concerned he wasn't going to make it. And he, he, he was concerned he wasn't going to make it. And, uh, you know, God has given him a dramatic recovery through this. And we just want to praise the Lord for that, for everybody being here with us today. And we just give God the glory this morning. Amen. Praise God for that. Any other requests this morning? Let's pray for our nation. Let's pray that, that God protects us and that God puts the right people in place to uh, bring about good change in our nation. Let's pray that God protects us from the evil that's coming against our nation. Pray God that God uh, protects his people in the midst of all this. Uh, anybody else, anything else before we pray and get into the service? All right, well, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Robert, lead us in prayer this morning. Amen. You can be seated. Number 19, number 19, saved, saved. Saved by his 
power divine, saved to new life sublime. Life now is sweet and my joy is complete, for I'm saved, saved, saved. Amen. And praise God, I am saved by the grace of God washed in his blood. On my way to heaven, my name's written down, and the devil can't touch it. Amen. Amen. Number 31, he hideth my soul in the cleft of the rock. A wonderful Savior is Jesus, my Lord. A wonderful Savior to me. He hideth my soul in the cleft of the rock where rivers of pleasure I see. He hideth my soul in the cleft of the rock that shadows the dry, thirsty land. He hideth my life in the depths of his love and covers me there with his hand and covers me there with his hand. A wonderful Savior is Jesus my Lord. He taketh my burden away. He holdeth me up, and I shall not be moved. He giveth me strength as my day. He hideth my soul in the cleft of the rock that shadows a dry, thirsty land. He hideth my life in the depths of his love and covers me there with his hand, and covers me there with his hand. With numberless blessings each moment he crowns, and filled with his fullness divine, I sing in my rapture, O glory to God, for such a redeemer as mine. He hideth my soul in the cleft of the rock that shadows a dry, thirsty land. He hideth my life in the depths of his love and covers me there with his hand. And covers me there with his hand. When clothed in his brightness, transported I rise to meet him in clouds of the sky. His perfect salvation, his wonderful love, I'll shout with the millions on high. He hideth my soul in the cleft of the rock that shadows a dry, thirsty land. He hideth my life 
in the depths of his love and covers me there with his hand and covers me there with his hand. Amen. Number 36, shelter in the time of storm. Amen. We're living in one in America today. Amen. But thank God we have Jesus. The Lord's our rock, in Him we hide, a shelter in the time of storm. Secure whatever He'll be tied, a shelter in the time of storm. Oh, Jesus is a rock in a weary land, a weary land, a weary land. Oh, Jesus is a rock in a weary land, a shelter in the time of storm. A shade by day, defense by night, a shelter in the time of storm. No fears alarm, no foes affright, a shelter in the time of storm. Oh, Jesus is a rock in a weary land, a weary land, a weary land. Oh, Jesus is a rock in a weary land, a shelter in the time of storm. The raging storms may round us beat, a shelter in the time of storm. We'll never leave our safe retreat, a shelter in the time of storm. Oh, Jesus is a rock in a weary land, a weary land, a weary land. Oh, Jesus is a rock in a weary land, a shelter in the time of storm. Oh, rock divine, oh, refuge dear, a shelter in the time of storm. Be thou our helper ever near, a shelter in the time of storm. Oh, Jesus is a rock in a weary land, a weary land, a weary land. Oh, Jesus is a rock in a weary land, a shelter in the time of storm. Amen. Isn't that good? I'm going to follow that up with another one that you'll like just the same, on the same vein. Heard from Dan? Oh, no. All right. Water and oil is not a good thing. No. <laughs> Sound like it's going to be a problem. It's going to last a little while. <laughs> Filter won't fix. But anyway, I got to thinking about this song last night when I was, I, I'll tell you, I was, I was on this message till 3 o'clock this morning. And hopefully it won't last that long, you know. But uh, but anyway, I, this song came to mind, and when we just sang kind of fits with it. dark of the midnight have I oft hidden my face while a storm howls above me and there's no hiding place with the crash of the thunder 
Precious Lord, hear my cry, keep me safe till the storm passes by. Till the storm passes over, till the thunder sounds no more, till the clouds roll forever from the sky. Hold me fast, let me stand in the hollow of thy hand. Keep me safe till the storm passes by. Times Satan whispered, There is no need to try, for there's no end of sorrow, there's no hope by and by. But I know thou art with me, and tomorrow I'll rise where the snows ever darken the sky. Till the storm passes over, till the thunder sounds no more, till the clouds roll forever from the sky. Hold me fast, let me stand in the hollow of thy hand. Keep me safe till the storm passes by. Night has ended and the storms come no more. Let me stand in thy presence on that bright, peaceful shore in that land where the tempest ever comes. Lord, may I dwell with thee when the storm passes by. Till the storm passes over, till the thunder sounds no more, till the clouds roll forever from the sky. Hold me fast, let me stand in the hollow of thy hand. Keep me safe till the storm passes by. Keep me safe till the storm passes by. Amen. Glory to God. All right. Take your Bible this morning. We're going to be in Luke today. We haven't been in Luke in quite a while. But uh, if we're going to if we're going to follow through the the chronology or the harmony, I say the chronology, we're going to follow through the harmony of the Gospels as we go through the life and ministry of Jesus. We're going to have to jump from one to the other. I know y'all know this, but I'm just saying that for those who may be listening in this morning on the internet. And uh, just, well, for your sake, you had never been here before. Uh, one time. One, oh, that's right. You have been here one time. That's right. 
But I just want to let you know that we, we, we have been on this same subject, or I have anyway, for four years and three months. <laughs> on this same sermon series for four years and three months. But even though I've been doing it for four years and three months, anybody can jump in anywhere and feel comfortable. Amen? So we're going to do that this morning. And uh, so you pray for me, and we're going to read this morning Luke chapter 23, verses 1 through 12, and we're going to pray, and we're going to get into the message this morning. Luke 23, verses 1 through 12. And, and let me just tell you before we get started, we last week we were on, uh, <clears throat> we were talking about where Jesus was before Pilate, and Pilate was, you know, Pilate was kind of uh, looking at him down, looking down at him because of his condition and all this, and and uh, and anyway, so we're going to see a little bit of, of his time with Pilate, but then we're going to shift on over to Herod, and we're going to look at him before Herod as well, but uh, we're going to back up here to chapter 23, verse 1, so let's read 1 through 12, and the whole multitude of them arose and led him, that being Jesus, unto Pilate. And they began to accuse him, saying, We found this fellow perverting the nation and forbidding to give tribute unto Caesar, saying that he himself is Christ the king. And Pilate asked him, saying, Art thou the king of the Jews? And he answered him and said, Thou sayest it. Then said Pilate to the chief priests and to the people, I find no fault in this man. And they were the more fierce, saying, He stirreth up the people, teaching throughout all Jewry, beginning from Galilee to this place. And when Pilate heard of Galilee, he asked whether the man were a Galilean. And as soon as he knew that he belonged under Herod's jurisdiction, he sent him to Herod, who himself also was at Jerusalem at that time. And when Herod saw Jesus, he was exceeding glad, for he was desirous to see him in the long season, because he had heard many things of him, and he hoped to have seen some miracle done by him. Then he questioned with him in many words, but he answered him nothing. And the chief priests and scribes stood and vehemently accused him. And Herod, with his men of war, set him at naught and mocked him and arrayed him in a gorgeous robe, and sent him again to Pilate. And the same day, Pilate and Herod were made friends together, for before they were at enmity between themselves. And let's go to the Lord and pray. Father, we love you. We come before you this morning, Lord, and we ask for your, Lord, your hand to be upon us, Father. We pray for forgiveness of sins. We pray, Lord, anything in our life, Lord, that would be standing between you and us this morning, Lord, anything that would hinder the Spirit of God working in us today. Father, we come to you in repentance, and we ask you to remove it from us. Lord, any wrong desire, any anything we're harboring in our hearts, Lord, anything that needs to be cleansed away, Father, we ask you to clean it now. Lord, that we might hear with the ears of the Spirit. Lord, we might, we might understand with the mind of Christ. We pray, Lord, that you give us your understanding. Lord, you help us to see things clearly. Father, teach us today. Lord God, we pray, Lord, somebody, Lord, in our midst or somebody listening in, Lord, have need of salvation through the blood of Jesus Christ. We pray this be the day that they realize that they're lost without him and they'll come to Christ and believe unto eternal life. Father, we pray, Lord, for Lord, for just understanding of the word, Lord. We pray now that your hand be upon me as I preach. And, Lord, your hand be upon them as they listen. We pray, that, Lord, that the Spirit of God would guide us into the truth. 
And we'll give you glory and we'll give you praise, Lord Jesus, when it's all said and done. We know it's you and not us. And we give you glory now before we begin. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right. Now, this morning is kind of going to be a a little bit, well, it's going to be kind of a history lesson. And it's also going to be a message. But we've got to get through the through the understanding of everything that's going on here before. And I'd rather, I'd, I'll be honest with you, I'd rather you have a better understanding of what the Bible is telling us and teaching us than for us to just hurry up and get through a sermon. So I, I, want, us to, I want us to understand some things that went on. After Pilate had declared to the chief priests and the scribes that he found no fault at all in Jesus, they got afraid he was fixing to escape. They thought they had lost him at that point. So they, they raised their fury up to a fevered pitch, and they cried out louder against him. And in the middle of all their shouting, somebody used the word Galilee, going out of their way to mention where he was from. In verse 5 there it says, and they were the more fierce. I mean, they were a wild, frenzied crowd, and saying, he stirreth up the people, teaching throughout all Jewry, beginning from Galilee to this place. Now, it's important that you understand. They mentioned Galilee and why that was important. Galilee was a very despised region in Israel by the ruling elite. Sort of like flyover country is in America to the ruling elite. They were, look, they were looked down upon. There were more commoners there, more, more uh, the fishermen, the farm people, the, 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 the ones who cultivated the olives and the grapes and... <clears throat> And they mentioned it to be an insult to Jesus. Like he was some dumb redneck from Galilee that they were poking fun at. Uh, maybe they thought that mentioning Galilee was like raving, waving a red flag in front of Pilate because there had been some uprisings from Galilee before. So they were trying to provoke Pilate to go on with this because, hey, that's where them troublemakers are from is down there in Galilee. That's why they mentioned it. And remember, at the, t- at the time, Rome is occupying Israel. And like I said, Galilee known for uprisings. So, so Pilate appears to maybe have been troubled by, by some seditious people from that region, that province. And uh, Luke 13, 1 even says this. says, there were present at that season, and somebody's telling Jesus this, there were present at that season some that told him of the Galilean whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices, and he'd kill them in the middle of them worshiping God, in other words. There was a lot of things, a lot of bad blood involved between those from Galilee and Pilate. And, and, and so I want you to understand what Jesus is being charged with, okay? Jesus is being charged with two crimes, okay? And it it's tells us there in, in, in verse 2 what those two crimes are. They began to accuse him, accuse Jesus, saying, what did they say? We found this fellow perverting the nation. He was misleading them. He was perverting the nation. Found him perverting the nation and forbidding to give tribute to Caesar, saying that he himself is Christ a king. Now, there's a lot of people talking about sedition in this moment in time we're living in. They're talking about uh, trying to charge President Trump with sedition. Uh, it's ridiculous nonsense, but they were try- they, again. They're trying to pin something that, that and I and you and, and I don't know if you watched the speech, but I watched the speech, and nobody incited violence against the Capitol. That was all made up nonsense. 
Very, you know, the Bible is amazing as I read all this stuff, how things seem to run parallel. It really is. It's amazing. But, again, it was in the Aaron Jesus day. There was a lot of talk of sedition. Why? Because, like today, our country's kind of being occupied by communist China at the moment. Their country was occupied by Rome at the moment. So there's, there's some parallels running there. I'm not trying to put America in our text today, but I want you to understand there's some parallels here. So he was charged with being guilty of sedition. And that the definition of sedition, according to, to the Oxford Dictionary, is agitation against the authority of the state. Jesus was irritating the authority of the state by his teaching, they said. This issue of sedition, it, it comes, it comes uh, from, a, from a nasty question that they posed to Jesus about the payment of tribute. Uh, the Jews paid a yearly tax called a, let me see if I can say this, the drachm is a Hebrew word. They paid a yearly tax for the support of the temple, okay? It wasn't much. As a matter of fact, it was very, very, very cheap. But, but I want you to understand, and, and I think you know the passage I'm talking about. It's over in Matthew chapter 22 where they're asking Jesus about, the, about the, well, whether it was lawful to pay tribute to Caesar. Y'all remember that? Okay, now again, I want you to understand something very clearly. That does not have any reference to the tax rates of today. It has no reference to the IRS of today. We, have, we make a mistake when we try to shoehorn America into the Bible everywhere. It just doesn't fit there. This is not what this is referring to. This is a temple tax. Now, they were paying it with a Roman coin, which had the, had the image of Caesar on it, and it had a superscription on it. And that superscription, if I'm not mistaken, said Tiberius Caesar, the august son of the divine Augustus. So it made Caesar out to be a god, which was idolatry on the coin itself. But they wanted an answer from Jesus about paying those taxes or those tributes. And, and the question was really about who's in authority. That's really what it was about. They were trying to get Jesus to say that, that, that the government was in authority over him or get him to say that he was in authority over the government. Either way, they could catch him up in something. Okay, so was it lawful for a member of the Lord's people to pay tribute to Caesar, the pagan king of the world? Matthew 20, 20 21 says, And he saith unto them, Whose image, whose is this image in superscription? And they say unto him, Caesar's. Then saith he unto them, Render therefore unto Caesar the things which are Caesar's, and unto God the things which are God's. Again, like I said, Caesar was king of the world at that moment. And he had installed a short-term puppet king. That's what they, once a region was conquered, they set up a puppet king uh, there in, in, in place for that little bit of time. And, uh, but that was a temporary fix. Soon they would replace that temporary uh, puppet king by a, by a Roman governor sent from Rome with the emperor's authority. So once a region became a province of Rome, two things happened, okay? There was two things set in place. Number one, no local person must claim to be a king under Rome's authority. Number two, people had to pay their taxes directly to the emperor. And Jesus was charged with both of these, with, with, with breaking both of these. Now, I know this is a lot of history, but believe me, we'll get to the message at the end. 
So the, I, want you to, I want you to understand the, the, the atmosphere, the political atmosphere going on at the same time. Okay, The people of God had a major issue with the payment of a direct tax to Caesar back in AD 6 when the land was annexed to Rome. You remember there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. Y'all remember that? All right, that was, that was the time when Jesus was born. All right, and, and almost half a century, people had paid their taxes to Rome's puppets, the Herods, okay? But in AD 6, the Romans conducted a census with a view to the people being levied to pay taxes to the emperor. And the, the, the devout Jews, well, those who were faithful to God, they took an exception to that since only the Lord was entitled to number the people. Y'all remember where David numbered the people once before and he had incurred God's anger upon him? And God got so angry, he told him, he said, you got three choices, son. You can either, you can either in, endure war, you can endure famine, or you can endure pestilence for, num- for numbering the people. Now, why was that such a big deal? Because when they numbered the people, they were trying to see if they had enough people to conquer another army rather than just trusting God when he said, go forth to war. So they began putting their, their faith in civil power rather than in God's almighty power. Man, the Bible's timely. Uh, so, you know, numbering the people, it offended them bad. So it's understandable why devout common folk were ready to revolt against the government because this un, unholy bunch had come in and taken over their land and was trying to get them to do things that were going against what God's Word had taught. So in the year 86, there was a man named Judas, not the same Judas that betrayed Jesus, but a different Judas from the Galilee region, and he led an uprising against Rome, and his slogan was this, no master except God. Sounds good, doesn't it? Sounds good. But the Romans ruthlessly, they put down that rebellion and they executed Judas the Galilean. So we're looking at about 20-something years later. and Here's Jesus. <clears throat> so we're back to Jesus and this question of taxation. So, and, and this was a hot question that they asked him because of what had happened you know, just a quarter century before. So they're asking him about this lawfulness of this paying this tribute to Caesar, and if he'd have said no, then he immediately would have been seen as the new Judas. It's just another version of that guy we had before that they got rid of. But if he'd have said yes, he'd have been seen as, as betraying the covenant that God had with his people to rule his people. I mean, God is their God, amen? They're his people, right? All right? So if he'd have said yes, it was. So, so what did he say? Y'all know what he said. He said, render therefore unto Caesars the things which are Caesars, and unto God the things that are God's. And this wasn't just him trying to escape from a trap, but it was an honest fundamental view of the true kingdom of God and the way things are supposed to be. When Jesus replied, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's, he made the state and the kingdom of God two separate entities that were not to be mixed. You see that? In other words, Jesus he refuted the notion of a theocracy where, where, where God rules through religious, uh, political leaders. You had that when Constantine, when he merged the church and the state together in an unholy union. So they were trying to say, Jesus is trying to do that. Jesus is trying to, he's trying to take the, take the reins and he's trying to overthrow the government. He's trying to be seditious. 
He's a king, calls himself a king. He's treasonous. Jesus was anything but seditious. He was anything but treasonous. He was actually upholding the law that day when he told them, you give Caesar the things that are Caesar's, you give God the things that are God's. If you work for Caesar, you give Caesar what he demands. If you work for God, you give God what he demands. But yet they were still determined to remove Jesus. They wanted him gone. They tried to kill him earlier for, for on the grounds of blasphemy, saying he and the Father were one. And in John ten thirty one, he said that. So now they're trying to find a political way to get rid of him. And the tax question is a part of their strategy, but it failed. So they're going to try to, to frame him as if he were another Judas, the Galilean. So they accused him before Pilate as one who was perverting the nation, forbidding to give tribute to Caesar, and saying that he himself is Christ, a king. In other words, they managed to accuse Jesus of the two cardinal crimes against Rome, claiming to be a king and subverting the payment of tax. Sound like they already had this made up. Sound like they already had a frame up set to go. They said, you know, we can we can push him into that, we can put him into that light, and we'll get rid of him that way. So he's accused of both sedition and treason. And for these things he was crucified. But was he guilty of either? Was our Lord guilty? No, he wasn't guilty of either. So you got so you got the Galileans. They were thought to be an ignorant people, just a bunch of dumb country people, easy to be led astray by imposters, so enthusiastic they would risk their lives against the Romans. So when the term Galilean was brought up, understanding the history and that it was Herod's province and one less problem for him, Pilate sent Jesus over to Herod. Probably, number one, because he didn't want to fool with it, and number two, he wanted to stroke Herod's little ego over there and make him feel important because he was from that region of Galilee. So I want us, now we get into the message. i got 20 minutes. I'm going to finish it. I want us to look at, number one, Herod before Jesus. Herod, now understand who Herod is. Remember, when, when Jesus was born, Herod the Great, Herod, this Herod's father, he sent soldiers into Bethlehem, and they killed every male child from three years under. They'd go into a house and take their sword and stab it right into that infant and kill them. Cruel, cruel, cruel what they did. And this is the son of this man, okay? Herod Antipas, the Tetrarch, governor of the fourth part of a province. And he was a piece of work, I'm going to tell you. But notice in verse 8, I want you to look. Here's the message. Look in verse 8. And when Herod saw Jesus, he was exceeding glad. Now, let's stop right there. Do you think when Jesus came in in handcuffs brought in by Roman soldiers, bound bound and, and bloody and dirty, and they brought him in, and he said, well, I'm so glad to see you. How are you doing? Oh, I'm just so happy. It wasn't like that at all. It would have been more like a, all right, all right, looky here. Looky who I've got in my presence today. It wasn't a happy, exceeding glad. It was a, ha, 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 ha. look what I've got. What was this exceeding? It was idle curiosity. You know what it reminds me of? 
It reminds me with the same, he had the same interest in Jesus of somebody scrolling on their phone. Just something to keep me occupied for the day. There was no real desire to hear Jesus, even though it says that. I'm not, I'm not, and I'm not disputing the Bible. The Bible says that he was desirous to see him of a long season because he had heard many things of him, and he hoped to have seen some miracle done by him. Herod had heard of Jesus. Herod had heard of Jesus his whole ministry. Herod knew all about Jesus, but yet he'd never seen him face to face. It said he, you know, he'd heard of him, he heard lots of things, and he hoped to see some miracle done by him. Now, again, Herod was not a needy man who came with, a, with his heart's need to lay before the Lord and had some sickness or illness that he needed healed and wanted a miracle of the Lord. It was nothing of that sort. What it was was more likely this. He hoped that he could get Jesus to do some tricks for him. So the next time he got together with the king's around and they got together and they drank and they told tall tales he could say guess who i had in my court the other day i made him do all kinds of tricks for me that was the that was the the feel the gist of herod now i kind of got to thinking about herod what kind of guy is herod well herod reminds me of somebody here it kind of reminds me of a son of a former vice president named Hunter. Kind of reminds me of him a little bit. You know, just really not a good fellow. Again, he it was just an idle curiosity, but what happened was his idle curiosity was disappointed because the Bible says in verse 9, then he questioned him with many words, but he answered him nothing. He answered him nothing. You see, Jesus didn't come into this world to be anybody's performer. Amen? He came into this world with one purpose, and that was to take the sin of the world upon him and die and pay the debt, the payment for sin, so that anybody who comes to the Father by him could be born again and be saved for all eternity. He was not here to be entertaining Herod. Another thing to remember is that Herod had already silenced the voice. You remember the voice. I am as the voice of one crying in the wilderness, saying, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight the way. What had happened? Oh, you know, John the Baptist had been arrested. Herod had married the wife of his brother. Mr. Biden did that too. Amen. Okay, uh, the parallels are amazing here, folks. I'm telling you, but but he he had he had brought he had taken John the Baptist and thrown him into prison, and and here it's the the, the birthday of his niece or his stepdaughter, and he delighted in having her do some lurid, overtly sexual dances before him and all that were in his court. And he got so excited and inflamed by her dancing, I guess like some woman of the night before him, that he, when she was done, said, I'll give you anything up to half my kingdom. 
And having been coached by her mother, you know what she said? She said, I want the head of John the Baptist in a charger. And so he sent for the men, and they went to the prison, and they decapitated John the Baptist, and his head was brought in a silver charger into the court, and it pleased her very well. Herod had silenced the voice, and now he wanted to hear from the word. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. Jesus spoke not a word. It says he answered him nothing. Now, why didn't he? he could, some, I guarantee you, I can hear some people saying, well, I don't know why the Lord didn't use that as a witness opportunity. Why didn't Jesus try to save Herod? Why didn't he try to preach the gospel to Herod? He couldn't have heard it if he did. Amen? The Bible tells us, be ye wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Do you know there's a time to speak and a time not to speak? Herod could have heard Jesus at any time he wanted to. You realize that? He realized how many opportunities. I mean, he'd heard about Jesus since the beginning of his ministry. At any time, he could have, he could have ventured out and, and heard Jesus at any time that he wanted to, but it wasn't until Jesus is in cuffs and standing before him bound that he now wants to hear from Jesus. Can I say to you this morning, that, 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 that represents something. You don't come to Jesus when you get ready to come to Jesus. Amen? You don't get saved when you get ready to get saved. You get saved when the Holy Spirit of God draws you unto salvation and shows you that you're a lost sinner and shows you that Jesus Christ is the way to heaven. That And that is the only time when a person gets saved because we cannot get saved without the moving of the Spirit of God, without the drawing to God. We cannot, and Herod could not. And therefore Jesus kept his mouth shut before him. But that's not the only reason. Jesus had a plenty good reason for refusing to speak to Herod this time. You know, Jesus wasn't going to yield to the carnal, wicked authority of men. The man was not going to tell Jesus what to do. Jesus is the Son of God on a mission. He's not going to bow down to some authority, especially a wicked authority like Herod. So what happens? Well, he, was, he had idle curiosity at first. But that idle curiosity, it's not, don't go any deeper than that. It's just amusement. Show me something that will amuse me. Do you know there are a lot of people that go to churches like that? They get invited, they, and I'm not talking about you, brother. They, they, get, they, get, they get invited to a church, amen, and they come just to see the show. They come to sit back in the back and snicker and make fun under their breath of the things of God. Idle curiosity sours into sarcasm and ridicule. <laughs> Do you see how the people hate Jesus, the world, how they hate Jesus? Let me tell you something. It has not changed. They still hate the Lord. I, I said, for number one, we've seen Herod in the presence of Jesus. Now I want us to look at Jesus in the presence of Herod. No blows were, were struck upon Jesus in his presence at this time. Not like, not like had been done when he was before uh, Annas. And not like will be done when he is scourged and beaten after he is before Pilate the next time. Nobody hit him in this company, but I can tell you this. I, I think he suffered just as much before Herod as he did before any of the others. 
And when I say that, I want you to understand, here stands our Savior, fully invested for the salvation of souls. He set his face set like flint, looking unto the joy that was set before him. And in the midst of all of that, he's looked upon as a huckster and a, and a, and a street performer and, and who's expected to work a miracle for the amusement of an ungodly court. I mean, that's the way they looked at Jesus, like some, like some street performer who jumps up on, a, uh, up on a bench and hollers for everybody's attention. That's the way they looked at him. I want you to understand something. That's the way this lost and dying world looks at our Savior. They look at it as some kind of a show, some kind of a pretend, some kind of religious crutch that we weak people can lean on. That's how they see us. That's how they saw him. And then you think about the Lord being questioned by such a prissy little snot as Herod. I mean, just the whole scene is disgusting. It's disgusting. I mean, the whole thing is an abomination. His prosecutors, here's what Spurgeon said, his prosecutors appeared against him before Herod. They were restless in their prosecution. They stood and vehemently accused him, impudently and boldly, so the word signifies. They would make Herod believe that he had poisoned Galilee, too, with his seditious notions. Note, it is no new thing for good men and good ministers that are real and useful friends to the civil government to be falsely accused as factious and seditious and enemies to government. That's Charles Spurgeon. The government of man will turn on the Lord. The government of man will turn on the Lord's church. And they turned on Christ. But I want you to consider this. I want you to think of how hard it was for our Lord to be silent. Think about the contrast between him and his holiness and his righteousness and his pureness before such wickedness and mockery and, and, and vain thoughts that the man had. It was just absolutely ridiculous. It brings to mind it brings to mind Isaiah fifty three verses six and seven. You know it. You know what it is. The Bible says there. It says, "All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one of us, turned every one to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all." Verse seven said, "He was oppressed and he was afflicted." Yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shearers is dumb. So he opened not his mouth. The last thing I want to say to you about this is I want you to think about the contempt that was poured on our Lord that day. I want you to, in your mind, I want you to look at Jesus standing here before this, this tyrannical potentate and the way they're treating him, and the way they're looking at him, and the things they're accusing him of. And he stands there silent before them. I want to ask you, I want to ask you three questions. Why is he silent? Well, that's not my first question, but why is he silent? Why did he not speak up? Why did he not say anything? Well, there's, there's a number of reasons for that. First of all, he was fulfilling prophecy. But second of all, don't you think that his silence was maybe a part of his anguish that he went through? The fact that he didn't say anything and he just took it? 
He took the scorn. He took the mockery. He took the ridicule. He took all of that from me and you. Don't, don't you think that maybe when he was standing there and them saying those horrible things to him, don't you think maybe he was bearing our punishment for our sins of our tongue? Think about it. How many times in life do we complain? How many times in life have we been proud and said proud things? How many times have we been bitter and said ugly, hateful things in our life? How many times have we told lies? Now, I'm not talking about since you've been saved. And maybe you've fallen down and done some of that since you've been saved. But I'm talking about in our lost condition. I mean, listen, we, 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 we... Telling a lie ain't no big deal when you're lost. Being proud and ugly and hateful is no big deal when you're lost. But I'm going to tell you something. He took our sins upon him. How many times have we used his name in vain? And I'm not just talking about using a cuss word after his name. I'm talking about we use his name for nothing. That's what it means. Y'all realize that? Y'all realize when the Bible says, Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, it don't just mean saying GD, okay? It means saying Jesus, when something goes wrong. It means saying, and I'm not doing this to be, I'm giving you a reference, when we say, oh my God. That's, that's using God's name in vain. It means an empty use of God's name. God's holy. God's righteous. God's perfect. And God shouldn't be treated that way. How many times have, I, have we used this tongue against God and His Word and His work? And all those sins are coming upon him. And he stands there silent and bears the penalty of it. The second thing I want to ask you, isn't it possible that when they brought that gorgeous robe and put on him and mockery, and it was definitely mockery, he was bearing our sins of vanity. And we thought we were something. We were swell, swell with pride. Thought we were better than someone else. Thought we were. We looked at ourselves and said, "Oh, I look so good." We were so full of pride. Listen, don't you think maybe that's him bearing that sin of ours when he was mocked? And don't you think that maybe when they were ridiculing him and and calling him names and and telling him that he was nothing and worthless and despising him? Maybe he was bearing our sins when we've treated him as though he were nothing. Maybe before you were saved, you thought living the Christian life was a joke. Maybe you made fun of holiness or holy things or people who tried to follow after holiness. But I'm going to tell you something. He didn't leave any stone unturned when it comes to suffering for our sin. Jesus suffered for all of it. Everything that we've ever done, every sin we've ever committed, everything we've ever hurled at God Almighty, he put on his son Jesus and he suffered for every bit of it. He paid the debt for our sin. And he opened not his mouth. He took it from me and you. He took all of our sin. I mean, let's don't just gloss over that and put it in one sentence and say, he took my sin. Let's look at it. Let's look at what he bore for us. Let's consider how careful everything is placed on him. And let's stand together.
I urge you this morning. We're going to sing a song of invitation in just a moment. As she comes, 370 is what we're going to sing. As we sing a song of invitation here in just a moment, I want you to consider just what all Christ has done for you, what a debt he has paid, how he took all your mockery and all your shame and everything that you ought to have piled up against you. No, it was piled all on him. Maybe maybe we just need to thank him again. Maybe we just need to, to look at it and realize just how much he loves us. What a great love he's loved us with. Maybe we just need to bow our heads and just say, thank you, Lord Jesus, that you've washed me clean from all the vile things that are in me. And I urge anyone listening to me this morning, if you've not done that, if you've not come by way of the Holy Spirit drawing you, and listen, if you're under conviction this morning, that's God working, that ain't me. Come to him and believe on Christ and be born again and get it settled forever and ever and ever. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. Father in heaven, we love you. Lord, I'm so thankful this morning for my Savior. Lord, we know he was guilty of no crime, even though they said he was. Even though they tried to frame him, Lord, we know that he was innocent. And Lord, we know that he took our sins, and he bore them at Calvary. And he died, and he paid for them, and they're gone if we believe on Jesus as our Savior. Father God, I thank you for these that have come into your house today. Lord God, as we've looked at this, Father, I pray the Holy Ghost of God has steered us, Lord, to realize how much we have truly been forgiven for and how much we truly owe Christ. We owe owe you, Father, our service. We owe you our, our lives. We owe you our everything. Father, help us. Lord, as he stood before those wicked rulers of the day for us, Lord, may we stand before these wicked rulers of our day for him. And may we be faithful, no matter the cost. Father God, I pray you bless this invitation, Lord. May everything that's done give honor to Jesus Christ, our Savior. In his name we pray. Amen. 370. I need thee every hour, most gracious Lord. No tender voice like thine can peace afford. I need thee, oh, I need thee. Every hour I need thee. Oh, bless me now, my Savior. I come to thee. I need thee every hour. Stay thou nearby. Temptations lose their power when thou art nigh. I need thee, oh, I need thee. Every hour I need thee. Oh, bless me now, my Savior. I come to thee. Amen. I didn't announce it. She told me that I didn't announce it this morning, but I'm going to announce it now. Uh, Next Sunday is the last Sunday of the month, and we would normally have a big potluck dinner, but we are going to be having uh, Brother Gerald Finney down, uh, the Christian attorney, and we're going to be talking about 
about unreg- un- the unregistered church and how to get out from the the yoke that that we're in with the with the IRS, and we're going to uh, find out all the information there is to know about that and make some decisions uh, as to the future of how we want to con- conduct things around here for the Lord. So. Anyway, I've got another questionnaire that's been sent by email. I haven't. I was going to ask you. I'm going to send that to you. If you can download that, uh, I need to get with Brother Byron and get some questions filled out on that questionnaire and send it back in to him. But he has he has told me that he would be uh, be glad. Brother Finney would be glad to be here. Not this coming Sunday, but the following Sunday, which is the is the seventh of February, and uh, we're going to have a potluck dinner. Just like we'll, just like we're going to have a, a dinner this coming Sunday, we'll have another one that that day, and we'll we'll have we'll have him three times. We'll talk three times. I think what we'll do on that day is we'll have him handle Sunday school, Sunday morning, and then we'll eat, and then we'll probably just meet in the fellowship hall, and we'll we'll go through question and answer and, and any follow ups and anything that we need to do. All right. Is there any questions or any thoughts on anything regarding that or? Or anything else before we dismiss this morning? Yeah, this Sunday we're having hot dogs and hamburgers. Yeah, okay. Hot dogs and hamburgers this Sunday. Amen. Forgot. I forgot that. Indeed. But but we'll it'll be good, nevertheless. We'll have a good time. And uh anything else? All right, pray for y'all remember pray for everybody on the prayer list and uh let's just ask God to guide us through everything we we're dealing with in this world today. Let's ask God to take control and take care of us. Oh, He's in control, but let's 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 make let's ask ask Him to take care of us and to give us uh, continued liberty to, to uh, preach in His gospel and uh, and share His love with other people. Amen. Amen. All right, well, let's go to the Lord in prayer and be dismissed. And I'll see you back here tonight. We're going to be in. Uh, we last week uh, we got into the first part of how to. How not to collapse when everything else is collapsing around you from Second Timothy. We did the first chapter last week. We'll be in the second chapter tonight. So be here tonight at 6 for that. And let's go to the Lord in prayer and be dismissed. Grant dismiss us this morning. Thank you.